Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Today we're talking to Mont Crook. How's it going, Mont? I'm doing well. I'm just awkwardly trying to turn off my heater so it doesn't make too much noise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't think we're picking it up. but no, it's, it's off now. Okay, excellent. Um, so, Mont, tell us uh, a bit about yourself, how long you've been playing and running tabletop games, and what you do in the community. Um, okay, so I... Oh, geez, I didn't even think of my introduction, so now... Uh, <laughs> I am a writer and an artist. I have uh, three uh, Adventures League modules uh, written called... Uh, it's. Uh, I just realized... A three-part adventure is a trilogy, so it's the Bleeding Gate trilogy. I don't know why that didn't occur to me until just a few days ago. Uh, but yes, I have been playing for just three years oh, wow. and uh, DMing for a little bit less than that. I did know about D&D. Uh, in high school, I had some friends that played D&D, but the furthest I ever got with them is um, making characters. And the only character I really remember is a, a unrelated, uh, or an, another RPG character for Gamma World. I made a sloth person. Nice. Oh, Gamma World's great. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty new to Dungeons and Dragons and to Adventures League and to the DMs Guild. So how did you get started making content for the DMs Guild? Um, when. I played my very, very first game. It was a Table Titans playtest module. Um, I think it was The Terror of Haverford. I That first night that I played Dungeons & Dragons for the first time, I went to sleep and just had these awesome creative dreams. And... <laughs> It just like awakened my, all the pretending and the, the ad-libbing, all of that just made my creative brain just fire, just sparks all over the place. And when I woke up, I just started writing the, the setting and some events that became, that later became the Bleeding Gate adventure. But I, at first I showed it to uh, my Adventures League organizer, Davina Oaks. At one of the games, I, w I printed it out all fancy, and I said, "Look what I made!" <laughs> and, and she went, "Oh, um, have you heard of the DMs Guild? They just—that's uh, just now a thing. It just started." And I was wondering if you'd want to work with me to create an adventure for uh, GameStorm, which is a, a gaming convention in Portland. And yeah, so so that's how it got started. And I guess a little bit before that, what actually got me to say to my friends, hey, I want to play D&D, was a Critical Role had just started. And I got really irritated that I had never played D&D and I was in my 40s. <laughs> so um, th there were quite a few starts. 
or things that got me started? I think that's one of the really great things right now is Critical Role is getting a lot of people into D&D and the, the Adventure Zone too. And it's it's nice because our, our hobby's having this boom because of it. Uh, it's great. Yeah, it makes it um, approachable. And I, being 40, I that means I grew up during the 70s, during the uh, the D and D satanic scare, um, uh, that didn't deter me from wanting to play with my friends in high school. It's just that for some reason it never actually happened. Um, but yeah, um, it, I was pretty irritated that I had not played <laughs> by that point. Yeah, like I, I actually had a similar experience in high school where I had a bunch of friends who played, but they, they had too many players and like I couldn't make my schedule work for it. So I didn't start playing till after. And the only reason I started playing was because I kind of pushed and pushed and pushed to be invited to games until they did. Yeah, it was great to, uh, I guess I had said it to the right friend um, and uh, and he was all, yeah, let's do this. So we got... Uh, my husband Tyler and uh, and uh, so my friend that I said it to is Corey Cassoni and um, he works for Table Titans and um, and his wife was playing and we just and another friend and we all just sat at the table. It came together really quickly, which is was a totally different experience than what I had in high school. That sounds similar to when I was when I got started. I met some people at a party guide. I bought the fifth edition starter kit. Cause I'm like, I want to, I want to play D and D it's been too, like I've been wanting to play for several years now. And this is a great excuse to get started. And I went to a party and I was talking to some people and they're like, yeah, we want to get started with D and D. And I'm like, I'll DM let's play, let's do this. <laughs> and yeah, just all of a sudden like, okay, I have to get ready for a game next weekend. Okay. This is happening. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> Uh, so, Mott, what tools uh, does the DMs Guild provide for people making adventures? Well, um, if you go to the DMs Guild website and you scroll all the way to the bottom of the page, you'll see a link that is titled DMs Guild Creator Questions? Question mark. Um, <laughs> and it answers a bunch of questions like, um, what content can I sell? Um it gives some content guidelines. It talks about when you might want to use the open gaming license instead of the DMs Guild. And it talks about like using logos and artwork and talks about um, uh, when you'll get your payments and uh, pricing suggestions. Are there, are there other places that have useful tools like websites to help organize your content or brainstorm ideas or help you with, with writing or anything like that? Well, I hadn't found anything for the first two, but um, there are quite a few articles. Um, the, the first one, uh, if you're going to write, if you're wanting to specifically write uh, Adventures League modules, then there's the article that Adventures League put out called How Do I CCC and Other Questions? And CCC stands for um, Convention Created Content. And and that's someone like me, that, that is how you get into writing the Adventures League modules is by doing a CCC. Um, but then there's also like, for example, Geek and Sundry wrote a few articles, one called Want to Write for Dungeons and Dragons or D&D, 
and one called How to Write the Best D&D Adventures Ever. So you can find stuff online that could be that could be helpful, like articles. Okay, cool. And so what's what's your process for like when you when you sat down and started writing and like just take us through like from when you started writing to all the way to like submitting it for approval on the DMs Guild? Okay. So there are a couple of different ways you can get onto the DMs Guild. It doesn't have to be an Adventures League adventure. And I have some D&D player tools um, that I created. And when you're doing homebrew modules or tools, uh, there there is no approval process. So I guess the uh, process for making those is just like seeing something that's missing in the community or getting an idea for a module that you want to write. And um, I would, I like to start with an outline. Um, an outline is super helpful for me because if I know I am writing a, uh, if, if I know I want to make sure it's a two hour adventure, the outline helps me see um, if I really need to cut things down. <laughs> And that's usually my problem is I have too much. <laughs> I think that's a, a pretty common problem with DMs too. Like it's, I, I constantly over-prepared when I was doing entirely homebrew yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and that over-preparedness uh, still uh, stilts me as a DM and uh, gets me too laser focused when really um, I need to open up so because this isn't my story, it's our story, everyone at the table's story. I need to be not so strict about this and then this happens and then this happens. But and over preparing does that to me. All right. So um, the process. So once uh, I get an outline for uh, a module or get an idea for the tool, well, let's go tools first. You just get the idea, lay it out move stuff around, <laughs> figure out what is actually working, and then you put it out. There is no approval process. As long as you're following the DMs Guild guidelines, you can put it out there. If you're not following the DMs Guild guidelines and it's up there, it will eventually get taken down. So for writing a an Adventures League module, which is the only thing that I've done, I can't really speak for homebrew, for writing an Adventures League convention created content, first you need to connect with an Adventures League organizer or organizers. And once you've done that, you ask them about upcoming conventions and you need to, it's not something that's coming up in the next three months. You need to think further out, like nine months, a year out, because the process needs to start nine months before the convention. Yeah, that's part of the Adventures League uh, guidelines for that, uh, for creating CCCs. If, uh, so then you ask the organizer, like, how do they accept submissions? Have they, do they have plans for having CCCs for the next uh, convention? And also, something I forgot to mention, the convention needs to be big enough, too, because these are volunteers. Adventure League organizers are volunteering their time. They're not getting paid. And the Adventures League staff needs to be sure that there are going to be plenty of people that are going to play. So I think the suggestion is to have 15 tables or more at the convention playing Adventures League. Okay, that makes sense. And so then once you ask the 
an AL organizer about their submission process, if they agree to work with you on a module, then they become essentially your editor. Okay, cool. And they're your liaison between you and the Adventures League staff. And they'll send in an application and they'll help make sure you follow your the AL guidelines and that things like encounters are balanced. That's what they do. So then once you do that, then part of the application, like once the application is approved by Adventures League, then uh, you submit an outline and a summary. And if that's approved, then you start writing and playtesting and editing and playtesting and editing and playtesting and editing. <laughs> <laughs> And like I said, this is a nine-month process. Uh, they want to make sure that Adventures League wants to make sure that this is a well-tested module and that there's plenty of time to get all of the playtesting and editing done. If you get it done within that time, you send the uh, AL staff the most recent version, and they once it gets approved, then it can be played at the convention. And it is... The first time that happened, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> I was sitting at a table playing a character, playing my Bleeding Gate story. And at one point, I was having a great time. And at one point, I like looked up and really paid attention to the room instead of just what was happening at the table. And I heard all these different tables uh, taking my story and making it their own. Oh my gosh, it felt so good. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And and that and then you get people coming up to you giving you feedback and you want that. Sometimes it's great feedback. Um, probably most of the time it'll be great feedback. And then you'll get some people like DM saying, I had this problem trying to figure out this part. And that gives you an idea as to what you need to fix because after the convention, you have six months to do any more playtesting that you need, um, any more edits that you need, and then it goes on the DMs Guild. Very cool. So uh, what's the, the, the playtesting process like? Are you getting your uh, D&D group to playtest or are you like finding like local DMs and saying like, hey, can you can you do this? section and uh and and help me figure out how it works or are you yeah just like what's what's the process so i think that that if it's um anyone like uh davina if the al organizer is anyone like davina oaks um she was really great at uh at playtesting it with uh the table that she dms at and to finding other people to DM it as well and play test it at other tables. I didn't play test it at first because I was worried that I wouldn't be able to hear or see the mistakes, the things that were lacking. Because when you're doing it, maybe it's just me. I, I would imagine this probably isn't just my, an issue for me. <laughs> but as a writer, sometimes in my own head, I fill in, fill in things that are missing. So as a DM, there might be something written on the paper, and then I add some my own flavor of knowledge that I have in my head that never made it to the paper, that may make things more clear to the players. But some another DM isn't going to have that. And 
So I worried that to them, things wouldn't be as clear. And me, me playing, me doing a play test myself, I worried that I wouldn't see that those glaring omissions. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's probably something that I'd have a problem with too, because when I, when I do prep for a session, there's a lot of, like I'll write some notes around like, okay, there's going to be this character and this is their goal, but it's very much key to what I'm thinking and how I'm thinking about a character. So having to get more information out so that I could then like hand all those notes to somebody to make sure that everything goes according to plan. That's something that would probably take me a while to get used to. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I would do play testing now, but I wouldn't want to be the sole play tester. And I, that's one of the benefits you get from working with a AL organizer is that they have connections to other tables and DMs and players. So you could get more play testing done and feedback from several different people who have different playing styles. That's another thing too. What should prospective creators know before getting into making DMs Guild content? So it's going to take more time than you think. That nine months uh, for Adventures League, creating Adventures League modules flies by. And sometimes you're crunching to get it out in time for the convention. Um, So don't think that, oh, I've got nine months to do this. Easy peasy. Go ahead and get to work right away. And if you're doing homebrew modules for DMs Guild, I would suggest taking that time to make sure that it's play tested and you're putting out tested material um, rather than just slapdashing and putting something on the DMs Guild. What about uh, like what a, a creator would get get out of the process um, and like what kind of compensation they might get and how much they need to like not think about becoming a D&D superstar and just focusing on uh, like the content that they're creating? I love that question. Forget about being a D&D superstar. <laughs> As with any create, freelance creative work, I think it would save a lot of anxiety and pressure and expectations if you just let go of the idea of being rich and famous from this most people that write comics or uh, write books or even D&D modules, they don't really become famous and they certainly don't become rich. Those are rare occasions. I get from, from the sales on the DMs Guild, I get 50%, which is pretty good for other forms of media public uh, publishers. Usually it's like, like maybe 30% that a, uh, uh, that an artist would get and maybe even less than that for a writer. I don't know. I'm just, I'm sure you could find some other publishers that would be different, but that seems to be the most common ones that I hear about. What about you, Jesse? Have you heard of amounts of compensation for comic artists, for example? It depends. Like I'm not a comic artist myself, but Haley is Mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, And it it really depends on the product and the company and a bunch of other stuff. Like Kickstarters can be really good if they go like way over their limit. Cause some like, I know Iron Circus takes a lot of that extra money just to pay the creators, Mm -hmm. uh, which is fantastic. But like, I know 
it was a while ago that like, you know, Marvel will pay a certain amount per page and it'll vary depending on what you're doing. And it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah, it can really depend, but 50% is pretty good. Yeah. And my understanding for um, doing freelance work for some of the, like specifically D and D publishers is that it's more based on like a, a rate per word or like by the length of the content. So it's not a, like, a simple like percentage of how much they're selling the thing for it's how much are you producing and is it good enough for them to even publish it in the first place right right uh, that is something that's nice um i would imagine that it's my understanding that anyone selling stuff on the dms guild gets 50 percent. like i don't think that there's a more famous person that gets more than that right What's something creators should keep in their head while they're creating content? Something they need to keep reminding themselves? Like, what should they be focused on while they're creating a module or a character class or whatever they're trying to create and put up on the DMs Guild? For all of those things, I think a good one is, am I giving them anything unexpected, new, rare, fresh? Because A, you're going to get more sales if it's something like that. But I, I don't know. Like, Doing creative work is satisfying and fun for me to get that creativity out there. But a big part of it is making sure that it's something that's actually helpful or something that people will enjoy. Um, something like thinking, is this going to be fun for the role players, for the slaughter hogs, for the newbies, for the veterans? Those are some things that I think about. And then going back a little bit to before, I want to think, is this written clearly for other DMs, not just some unwitting code that makes sense to me and not anybody else? And then um, something else that I try to keep in mind as well is, is there any language or stereotypes that break Adventures League Code of Conduct or DM Guild's guidelines? Am I accidentally hurting somebody at the table or making the DM sound like a jerk because of something that I have written in my in module. Right. It's, it's probably one of those things where like, if the NPC sounds like a jerk, that's better. But if it's the DM constantly sounding like a jerk, then something you need to work on. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I actually really appreciated when I ran Bleeding Gate. Like my players liked the NPCs that showed up or if they didn't trust them or didn't like them, it, it was very much the character and not me. <laughs> Yeah, the one of the things I thought about for Bleeding Gate is um, just things aren't always what they seem. Yes, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> <laughs> so, quote unquote, bad guys aren't always what you might expect, and yeah, I wanted I wanted to call, uh, create some doubt and like really thinking and processing some of the stuff that was some of the events and things that were being said and it's it's interesting because depending on who your play your players are like you mentioned earlier like my players kept on asking if fema agareth was going to give birth to snakes because she had snake hair and there had been snakes in that first initial fight uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep oh it was great uh, i there's other stuff i want to say too but for players that haven't played um i don't want to give spoilers <laughs> yeah no it's those twists and turns in it are really great if you don't if you're going into it blind yeah yeah and um and then also thinking about so much 
of some of the games that I played, and this could also be DM style, but bad guys, you could absolutely tell who were the bad guys. And, and, and they, the things that they said and did obviously made you distrust them. It's kind of like if they had a mustache, they would be twirling them. Yes, yes. But then what if it was maybe more like real life where nice people do terrible stuff and terrible people do nice stuff? Or I guess really there is no terrible people. There's just people. Yeah. Well, there's a complexity to it that isn't always there Mm -hmm. in some games. Yeah. That's what I hoped for. So what are the benefits for creating for DMs Guild over putting stuff up on like DriveThruRPG or self-publishing and then I guess, what are some of the downsides as well? Uh, I, I know that some people sell stuff on their own website. Uh, I don't have, I'm too new. I, I don't have name recognition for someone to go, hey, I wonder what's the new Ma- uh, Crook module. So the benefit of being on the DMs Guild is that you have people that are going to specifically to the DMs Guild to find D&D content. And so it's a, a narrow focus, which would make it easier for people to find me. Drive through RPG is not as narrow of a focus. It's run by the same people that run the DMs Guild, uh, One Bookshelf, but they are for a place to find tools and modules for all sorts of gaming systems, not specifically D&D. All right. So you get, would kind of get lost in the clutter there mm-hmm. pretty easily. Yeah. And um, I haven't, I have never written for DM, uh, for drive through RPG. So I can't really speak much more about that. But one of the reasons I write and put stuff on the DMs Guild is because that is the only place that if I'm writing Adventures League modules, that's the only place I can put it and sell it. That makes sense. Uh, are there... Are there any downsides? It sound, it doesn't sound like there are many to, to putting stuff up on the DMs Guild. Um, yeah, there actually are. I table at comic and gaming conventions. So a common thing to do is, for example, for comics, to make a, a web comic that you put online, and as you complete it, people are reading it. And then after you get some volumes done or the whole story done, then you can print a physical copy of it and sell it and sell it at places like conventions uh, as well. But once you put stuff on the DMs Guild, you cannot. You cannot sell it, not in any other form. So that's a downside. I think, too, for selling stuff on the DMs Guild or specifically making Adventures League modules is that I doing Adventures League modules over homebrew is that I have access to a knowledgeable team and to more playtesters like we talked about earlier. And then also buyers can have more confidence that it has been thoroughly edited and playtested and balanced. And these are, because they're digital, they are living documents. So I do get feedback from people and make changes to make it easier for people to use. In fact, I am making a few of those changes right now to my first, um, to Pandemonium, my first uh, part of Bleeding Gate, and I will upload that soon. But that's something really cool about doing digital work, too. Yeah, I've, I've, I've purchased a few things on, on DriveThruRPG, and it's nice knowing that if there are updates, if they need to make some changes to like more properly balance something or 
maybe there's just a whole bunch of spelling mistake. Who knows? But like, I know that if they make those changes, they're just immediately available. I don't have to worry about purchasing a second edition of a book because it's got all of the fixes. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I like about doing AL uh, modules over a homebrew is that I get a ready-made audience once it is it debuts at the convention. There are people waiting at tables to play games and and they will be playing you know my specific game that's really cool. And then doing AL when I get it onto the DMs guild, I know that not only will I have Adventures League players or DMs wanting to buy it, but then also it's possible that homebrew folks would also want to buy it. But you can't say the reverse for just doing homebrew modules. Right. That makes sense. Oh, yeah, a wider audience. That makes sense because I, I bought it and ran it for a homebrew or game. Mm-hmm. So what kind of community is there for getting help while you're creating content? So like getting your work edited, finding art, like all those kind of things. Are there paid and non-paid options or is that not something you've got too much experience with? I did my own art, but there are times where maybe I wouldn't have the time to do art for a project or maybe I don't feel like my skills are up to snuff. I know that I could find artists on Twitter, for example, Facebook, that I could hire to illustrate my story for me. There on the DMs Guild, there is, if you type in the search field, creator resource, you can find art for free and art for, for pay. But even then, it's not, it's not how much you're not paying them like the hundreds of dollars that you, depending on how much art you want in your module, you know, it's going to be a lot cheaper to do that. And I think the, the artists that do that, their hope is that they will just get the return from mass purchases yeah it's kind of like photographers who do stock photography like they're not looking to sell a single photo for a couple hundred or a thousand dollars they're looking to sell one photo thousands of times at like a dollar a piece and and make their money that way exactly yeah and with doing adventures league modules you get access to a free editor and like it's a mutual mutually beneficial relationship because they're hoping to get something special to play at the convention. And you get paid on the back end for all the hours of work that you put into it. Right. Very cool. Um, So what kind of tools are there for promoting content you create? And uh, do you have to do it entirely yourself on social media? Or are there other channels where you can get yourself noticed and promoted by uh, DMs Guild and Wizards? So I, right now, I would love to hear if anybody has any other options, but right now I talk about it on Twitter and on Facebook. I, there is in that article I talked about from Adventures League, the how do I CCC, there is a link for contacting Adventures League and asking them to promote your module on Twitter and Facebook. I think... Like when I go to conventions, I plan on making some flyers and I have some some of the tools that I sell on the DMs Guild. I give for free. I don't sell them. And I am going to put a little stamp on there. I got a fancy stamp made. It's in the mail right now that will list where people can find my stuff. If they like 
the tiny spell uh, spell book or the tiny character module or the large print character module that I or character sheet that I have, then um, maybe they would like to purchase it on the DMs Guild. Are you able to do um, promotional codes? Because it's something I've noticed when I've kickstarted something, and then they'll send me a promotional code for Drive Through RPG, where I get the thing on Drive Through RPG for free because I I backed it on Kickstarter. Are you able to do that kind of thing with the DMs Guild where people like you could print out some codes so people can get it for a little bit cheaper on DMs Guild or is that not an option? I am looking on the my account page right now. I know that there's ways that I can give someone a module like like I didn't want Davina Oaks the organizer, my editor, to have to pay for a bleeding gate. So I sent her one for free. I'm not seeing anything like a promotional code thing for doing that. So it's it's, it's on an individual basis. Like you have to tell DMs Guild, like this person gets it for free because I'm specifically telling you so. Yeah, I click on a link and I put, and I think I put their email address in there. Alrighty. Yeah, that's how it works. Okay. So I have control over it. I don't have to get permission. So I guess I could do that in some type of creative way and probably do all the labor myself of making sure each person gets it. Right. But it's probably not the return on that time probably isn't as as great as just being able to do a promotion or just getting the word out there on Twitter or Facebook that, hey, I've got a thing, go buy it. Yeah. Yeah, I would worry. I would have to put a lot of thought to make sure that I didn't accidentally leave somebody out. Yeah. Okay. So we've got one last question. If there was one, like if you could go back in time to when you first started creating content for the DMs Guild and tell yourself one thing, what would that thing be? Hmm. I guess like study, study, study even more. I did when I first was trying to look at how Adventures League modules were laid out. I did purchase several of them, but maybe it was because it was so early in the process, but they were all different. I couldn't see the similarities in the layout as much as I can now. Like there are uh, headings that are common that give DMs a clue as to, okay, this part is going to tell me all about the story from beginning to end, how it might it might look. I didn't know that, and that's part of what's missing in my first module. So I think that I would tell myself to purchase more of the Adventures League modules and study, research, research layout. And also I think that's just a good tip for anybody who's wanting to, to write, consume, do the research, figure out what works and doesn't. It's definitely been a learning experience, and I know that I'm still learning still. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that we've discovered over the course of doing this podcast, that it doesn't matter if you've been a DM for a few months or two decades. Like, There's always new stuff to learn, ways to improve, and more things that you can do to make make yourself a better DM so your players have a better time or the people that you're creating content have a better time. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I've, I've discovered that like talking to brand new DMs, they'll often ask me questions that absolutely stop me in my tracks, and I'm like, uh, "Oh, I do not know the answer to that." 
<laughs> I haven't thought about that yet, and now I will. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's great talking to new new DMs, and especially if you get conversations between like really experienced DMs and new DMs, there can be lots of interesting back and forth. Yeah. And now I think we have to do an episode based on that. <laughs> <laughs> Life uh, has no sort shortage of learning lessons. Very true. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been helpful for me. I've got some homebrew stuff I've been thinking about putting on DMs Guild or Drive Through RPG. So definitely some stuff for me to to go back and take another look at. Where can people find you online if they want to take a look at your stuff? Um, they can find me on Twitter at Maat Crook, M-A-A-T-C-R-O-O-K. And they can also find me on my brand new website, maatcrook.com. I did that because DMs Guild right now does not have a easy way to find someone's page. You can't type in dmsguild.com forward slash maatcrook. That won't work. You have to type in my name in the search field with the apostrophe, M-A apostrophe A-T crook. And that has been really hard to fit on a flyer. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I made a website where I have a page that's the DMs Guild page. So you can type in maatcrook.com forward slash DMs Guild and find everything that I sell. And when you click on the link, it'll take you to the DMs Guild so you can actually purchase it. That's very cool. Yeah. Can you also find the, because you have some shirts for sale, right? Can you also find those there? Yep. I did that too, because my shirts are on Public, and the same issue happens there. In fact, for if you try to search my name in Public, you have to take out the apostrophe and the space and just smush together M-A-A-T crook before you find my shirt. So I have a T public page on my maatcrook.com. So you can type in the forward slash T public and it takes you to my two shirts that are on there right now. Cool. Very cool. And you, you also have some con appearances coming up, don't you? Yeah. I'll be at the Tillamook, uh, the Oregon coast can, um, Oregon coast comic con in Tillamook, Oregon. And that is next weekend. And then I will be, oh, geez, I wish I had thought to bring my calendar in here. Um, <laughs> I have... It's uh, CaveCon, I think? Yes, I will be at CaveCon uh, later in the year. I have, I don't, I don't think I'll be, I won't be at Rose City. I'm seeing about getting into Cherry City. Um, knock on wood, I will definitely go there. I don't know if I'll have a table. And... I, you, I will, you know what? I will put them on my brand new website. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's a very good idea. All right. Thanks so much for coming, Ma. We really, uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Sean and Jesse. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. yeah, no problem. And if you have any other questions, feel free to ask me on Twitter. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Sean, we need to do our outro. Yes. Our art is created by Haley Boros. Uh, our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod. Uh, you can find us on iTunes and Google Play. Please, uh, if you enjoy the show, leave us a review and uh, rating. And we've got a Patreon, DMs of Vancouver. Um, all the money goes to making the podcast even better. Yeah, um, and also you can find us at, at DMs of Vancouver on Twitter. I'm at Jesse the Red on Twitter. And Sean, you are? Sean P. Hagen. Excellent. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.